0: This is Autoline This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. Autoline This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.
1: Hi, I'm John McElroy, and thanks for joining us on Autoline This Week. Today, we're going to talk about technology that can make cars a whole lot more efficient, dramatically reduce emissions, make them get better fuel economy, or if they're electric, go farther on a charge, also make them safer. It's got nothing to do with powertrain. It's all about communication. We'll get into it because I've got three experts to talk about it today, including Sankar Renagarajan. He is an expert in connected powertrain, a term I've never heard before. <laughs> He's with the Southwest Research Institute. Pam Maholtra is the Senior Director of Connected Services with Audi, and Sam Abulsamid is an analyst with GuideHouse Insights. And it's great to have uh, all of you here on the show with me. Uh, I guess, Sankar, why don't I talk with you, Sure. uh, or start with you? This whole idea of being able to use communication to improve the efficiency and safety of a car, a truck, a bus, or whatever, Mm -hmm. Explain what's going on here.
0: Sure. So essentially, communication technology on on cars has been there for a while. It's just that the primary angle that people were looking at it from was uh, safety. So around the 2015 timeframe, we started thinking that, okay, I mean, look at all this information that is available. But now, you know, we can actually put this information to use to make the powertrain smarter. So around 2016, uh, Southwest we started this uh, program for ARPA-E, which is the Advanced Research Project Agency for Energy. And what we saw was we, we pro- the program was called NextCar, which is Next Generation Energy Technologies for Connected and Automated On-Road Vehicles. And what we what the goal of the program was like, just using information and software without any powertrain changes. We are going to go and seek out a 20% fuel reduction on one of the most fuel economy, you know, one of the best fuel economy cars on the planet, which is the Toyota Prius Prime. And fast forward three years down the line, actually, we can say that, yes, we did achieve the 20% improvement through just smarter powertrain management.
1: Okay, and we'll get into more of the details of how that works. Pam, let's go to you because... Audi is working on what I think is one of the coolest technologies in this communication, where your car will tell you how to drive so you only get green lights, or mostly only get green lights. Explain a little bit about how this works.
2: Thanks, John. Uh, Yes, no, very exciting space indeed. Uh, We introduced this uh, this uh, particular technology in 2016, and we call it traffic light information. It's part of our v 2 V2X portfolio within the Audi Connect service. And uh, for no additional charge, basically customers get these additional services where if they are in a connected city, um, they, uh, they get the option to view the red light countdown if you're at an intersection or approaching an intersection. And what we introduced in 2019 as an add-on service to this feature is the ability to get a speed recommendation while you're driving down a connected road, which will give you your best chance of reaching a series of green signals at the intersections. Uh, Of course, it all works within parameters of safe driving, not breaking any laws, speed limits, or anything like that, and keeps the the driver interface very clean, very uh, non-distracting. Uh, And we've had a lot of success with this. This is now available at uh, 20,000 intersections nationwide and growing uh, and in more than 50 cities now. And we have uh, plans to continue to expand this uh, moving forward, but very exciting indeed.
1: That's cool. And we'll get into some more of the details of how all that works. But Sam, let's get you in on this. Automakers, as you know, are spending a fortune right now to convert to battery electric cars or plug in hybrid cars or even just improve the fuel efficiency of their internal combustion engines. This is a completely different way of doing it. What kind of opportunities do you see in terms of improving safety, lowering emissions and boosting efficiency?
3: Yeah, this is absolutely a, a crucial thing to help, especially as we move into the realm of electrification. Batteries are still by far the most expensive component of an EV, and everybody wants more range out of an EV, uh, but they we don't want to add more weight and cost with bigger batteries if we can avoid it. So adding in capabilities like this, using the connectivity as a means to help improve efficiency. I mean, we usually think of efficiency mostly for internal combustion engines. You don't think of it for, for batteries because you know it doesn't use any gas, but um, it's actually really crucially important for EVs to be as efficient as possible to maximize that available range. And if you can use connected vehicle information, either from infrastructure uh, or in combination with other vehicles, you know, through V2X communications, that can really help you to get more miles out of every kilowatt hour of battery capacity you put in the vehicle and to
1: help make those vehicles be more affordable to more people. Yeah, Sankar, explain a little bit about how this connected powertrain works. I I mean, my understanding, and you fill in the blanks and correct me where I'm wrong, but you you set a route in your navigation system, so your car knows where you're going, it knows you're going uphills, it knows you're going downhills mm-hmm. and it's using that information to control the powertrain to be more efficient. Is that how it works
0: yeah uh, that that is one piece of it. I think w- what happens is there are basically two two kinds of information that we operate on. one is exactly what you said, John, like you know just looking at the long horizon information that I mean, we do that every day in our cars these days. Like, you know, you plug in your navigation or uh, particularly we used uh, an example for Google Maps where we said, okay, there's all that trip info that we have. Like, I know what the speed limits are, where I'm going. I know what the elevation or grade information. And then I also know live traffic congestion data, right? So I have a good idea of how the trip is looking for. And now what do we do is like overlay a powertrain dynamics layer on top of it and say, all right, I drive uh, a Prius Prime plug-in hybrid that also has an 8.8 kilowatt hour battery packed up. So it gets 25 miles EV range. And do I want to spend all my EV driving at a spot, uh, you know, just right at the beginning or now should I pace myself and say, okay, you know what, there's a congestion on that highway 10 miles down the road. And now I rather, you know, preserve some battery here and use it there where I know my ICE is uh, not very efficient uh, that is one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is what Palm is referring to here, like, you know, the the, the mesoscopic information. So kind of technologies include cellular LTE, or you could think about even technologies like uh, DSRC or dedicated, you know, short-range communication radios or cellular V2X, which is coming up with 5G. Uh, what that gives you is like information that is more localized, like about 500 meters uh, radius from you, And now what you start to operate on is essentially, okay, how do I just minimize that power demand? Essentially, you know, know, how can I avoid uh, a driver, you know, pressing down the pedal when he, you know, there's information that, you know, that vehicle in front of you is gonna pull into your lane. So just don't do that, slow down. And then, you know, the traffic light telling you that, well, I'm gonna turn red in five seconds, So you better start to slow down and come gracefully to a light or just speed up. So it's a combination of all of these things where uh, you start with routing planning, basically saying, okay, if I can pick an alternate route that is really not costing me too much in terms of time, then you manage your battery and, uh, and engine and electric machines smarter, and then smarter driving. And one of the key things, John, is like, it's not only about efficiency, Uh, There's, of course, the emissions aspect of it as well, but also performance. Now, think about it like, you know, you are in a performance car. Now you can say, okay, I'm going, I'm getting on a feeder, I'm getting onto my highway. If the car knows it, now I can say, okay, I'm going to close my uh, wastegate on my turbocharger, start spooling it up, and now the turbo lag is somewhat kind of avoided. So there are all different aspects of it, efficiency, performance, and emissions. That's the way we view it.
1: Tom, I've got to imagine, you know, based on what Sankara is saying, if you, if you guys can figure out the green lights, you could do a whole lot more than that, too.
2: Yes, um, and, and, and actually, it is a very exciting space. And it is one uh, one of the, the areas that we have to evolve one step at a time. And so, for instance, what we have done is taken advantage of the LTE network uh, to create the Traffic Light Information Service. And what complements this is the fact that cities uh, around the country have been connecting their traffic light infrastructure for some time now. And so what we've really done is, you know, we've been busy connecting the car, they've been busy connecting their traffic lights and bringing these two ecosystems together is what makes this magic happen. We have a partner, uh, Traffic Technology Services, which is the intelligence in the cloud. And it literally receives a feed from the traffic control centers in the city. And then through machine learning, develops a forecast for when the traffic signals are actually gonna turn. Uh, and that information is channeled into the vehicle. The vehicle, of course, decides what to display to the driver, when to display it, but this system uh, has some interesting uh, reactions in terms of driver behavior. Of course, the information is important when you're standing still at an intersection. That, of course, is helpful in knowing how long it'll be before uh, a light turns, but what we've also seen is because the information comes to you way in advance, like, for instance, you might be you know, driving in Vegas with the lights could could be separated by a mile, or or even in Detroit, for instance. uh, You can have situations where the system will recognize that by the time you get to that intersection, the light will be red, even though you see a green light at this time. Uh, And that gives you a signal, and it changes your attitude towards how you approach that intersection. You might just coast into and stop instead of figuring out at the last minute if you're gonna jump the yellow light or, uh, you know, come to a screeching halt. That is a very significant piece of behavioral information which we're taking now into the next step and advancing the system into the safety area. So uh, Shankar mentioned uh, CB2X, Uh, it's an amazing technology. Uh, CB2X is an interesting one because uh, although it's designed off of the similar types of cellular technologies that we've become used to it, it actually doesn't need a cell tower. And so instead of communicating over the cellular network, it is a direct communication between two beacons, the car and whatever is around it. So if you install a cellular beacon on a traffic sign, or if a road worker is wearing a, construction, uh, a vest that has this radio in there, or if a school bus has this information that it can broadcast when it extends its stop arm, or you can think ahead and say maybe uh, school children will be carrying backpacks around that have these beacons in them. That information can be passed along to the oncoming driver and elicit that same type of behavior where you then are now impacting safety in these situations. And knowing stay safety statistics, you know we were doing really well and then all of a sudden we've started seeing these statistics go the other way. A lot of what is going on is what we call vulnerable road users. Uh, are being impacted. And these are these types of situations where oncoming traffic results in uh, sad situations. 25,000 injuries in school zones, 130 school children's killed, uh, and, and there's more. You know? So you can take that, you can extend it to emergency vehicles which you need to communicate and uh, explain uh, uh, to drivers to slow down or move out of the way. When you look at all these other road occupants besides vehicles, bicyclists, pedestrians that are out there. This technology has a lot of promise in being able to provide these early warnings. And then of course, you get to what Shankar was referring to is the automated response, uh, which is the vehicle can act on behalf of you. And that's the next step that we see coming forward as we move towards the automation area. And of course, this is all building up towards this highly automated future where it's not just these use cases, but cars actually talking to cars and being able to communicate, for instance, there's a blind curve ahead and there's traffic along the way that you need to slow down right now. Or um, another area that we are uh, uh, going to be bringing to market very soon, which is vehicles sending information over the cloud about the slippage between the, the tires and the road that tells you what the friction coefficient is and the level of slippage that you can expect and that information being broadcast to vehicles around to be able to guide the behavior uh, going forward. So it's a pretty exciting space. A lot has happened in this space in terms of technical development. There's a lot more going on in terms of regulation. Uh, There was a huge uh, step forward when the FCC made the decision last year to formalize CV2X in the ITS spectrum as the only technology that will be allowed. And we think that uh, this uh, will prove to be very beneficial uh, in terms of uh, making these types of use cases become real, if you just look at the the statistics in terms of you know there's six hundred thousand uh, uh, school buses out there there's three hundred thousand ems units out there there's um, you know a hundred thousand schools out there um, if you just look by twenty thirty plans that are already in place could reach to almost one point five to one point six million units without counting automakers and their vehicles, and that just adds to the overall volume so We think it's a very exciting space and it's probably where a lot of innovation is going to come in this coming decade.
1: Yeah, Sam, I keep hearing more and more of this term CV to X, cellular vehicle connection to infrastructure or everything. You're one who really looks at where the industry is going and forecasting volumes and the like. How widespread will this become and how fast might it happen?
3: well we <laughs> originally the the original proposal for 2 x communications was using uh, a wi fi based technology called d s r c and Back in 2016, uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, actually proposed a regulation that would mandate V2V be installed in all new vehicles. And if that had gone through by 2020 or so, uh, we would have started to have that uh, being rolled out. That didn't happen. That that didn't get finalized. And we've now made the transition from that Wi-Fi technology to the cellular-based technology, which, in in, in many ways, is similar, but it's using a different radio technology. It has a lot of potential benefits, uh, as as Palm said. And, and and Sankar, um, you know, you have that ability to communicate between infrastructure, between lights. Uh, doing peer-to-peer communications without having to go through the cell network directly between nodes, between vehicles, between vehicles and pedestrians and cyclists, uh, and so there's a lot of uh, potential advantages to that. And I think the first automaker that has announced plans to deploy it uh, in North America is Ford. They uh, a couple of years ago they announced that they would start rolling that out in 2022. Um, they haven't said anything recently, but I think that's I think they're still on target to, to start doing that. It's it's really starting to pick up steam in China a number of automakers in China have started deploying it. All of the autonomous vehicle companies in China are using CVX as part of their extended sensor suite, because one of the advantages to, to communications, wireless communications, is not limited to line of sight. You know, mm-hmm. like our eyes, you know, the sensors, the LIDAR, radar cameras that we put on the vehicles are all limited to line of sight. They can't see around a building at a corner. And this is one of the interesting applications that actually just came up uh, recently. Ford announced that in Miami, where they've been doing a lot of their AV testing, they've started to deploy these smart sensor pods where they're putting radar, LIDAR on cameras, hanging them above intersections, and they're equipped with cv to x and they're communicating with their Argo AI um, AVs that are, that they're testing so that – uh, as those vehicles approach intersections, they're getting information about what's coming from the other direction that they can that the sensors can't see. So there's a, enormous potential uh, to make proactive decisions, you know, as both Palm and, and Sankar have kind of referenced, this idea of being able to understand what's coming before you get to it, before you can see it. And uh, I got a demo a couple of weeks ago uh, here at ACM from a company called NeuroDynamics of their – uh, they're doing a map layer of you know this, this idea of the, the road friction map. You know, taking that um, that road, uh, the wheel speed information, the slip information that our stability control systems generate gets transmitted up to the cloud, aggregated and overlaid on a map, and transmitted back to vehicles in the fleet. And as we get you know close to uh, in the next few years, approaching 100% of new vehicles having connectivity, that can be enormously valuable to understand, you know, if there's, you know, black ice or other things, other, other hazards to be aware of, you know, and the vehicles can either alert the driver or if they're automated, make decisions about slowing down speeds as you're approaching intersections and corners to a, a, adjust for
1: that. Tom, how much equipment has to go on a car to be able to enable this? Is it very expensive or what?
2: I think what you have to look at, John, is how much is already in the car and how much is incremental for this. Uh, The good news is that most cars on the road are connected these days. And as the cellular technology has evolved, LTE is the dominant standard in the cars right now. It's all moving towards 5G now. The best thing that happened with LTE is that the latencies for communication got down to the point where you could start offering these types of services in real time. Um, with 5G, that just improves to the point where you can actually do active safety, which means that situations which require instant response can actively managed by, by these types of communications. Uh, CV2X uh, can jump uh, that divide a little bit because you can have CV2X uh, in an LTE chipset in the car. Uh, and it can also be on a 5G chip, uh, chipset. Of course, the number of use cases increase with 5G because you have more applications you can do, but already with LTE, we're able to do a lot. So the increment is really to add the CV2X capability to the existing LTE chipsets. A number of these are already available. There is a small incremental cost to it, but what we see is that it's, it's easily absorbable based on the fact that we are already uh, have the other parts of the system fully developed, including the systems in the cloud.
1: So I, go ahead,
3: Sam. Sorry. Just, just to add to what Palm said, you know, Qualcomm has talked about the, the addition of CV to X. When you've already got an LTE connection, it can be as as little as fifteen dollars wow. uh, to wow. to add the CV to X capability.
1: Wow! Well, and, and that was my question. You know, <laughs> a dollar figure that that that's amazing. Shankar, let's come back to you. Uh, sure. Before the show started, you you know we had been talking about dramatic reductions in emissions mm-hmm. by having this kind of connectivity. I mean, if you just hit green lights all the time, but you were pointing out. It's not just emissions out of the tailpipe with an internal combustion engine, pick it up from there,
0: <laughs> sure, yeah, so w- one of the th- key things that we o- also do as a as a one of the nonprofit institutions is like we talk with regulatory bodies, we talk with tier one suppliers, OEMs, and all of those, and one <laughs> of the key things that comes to us from a city perspective is, hey, if a city is in non attainment and we want to improve air quality in a, in a, a city from an emissions perspective, so one of the key things that is uh, a part of air quality index is uh, particulate matter. And one of the studies that we are conducting, and there have been other studies uh, that are there by EPA and other folks as well, what it's pointing out to is like, just the braking and tire wear that you see because of the constant decelerations and aggressive braking events that you can see, that emissions reduction from particulate matter aspect is actually pretty significant you think about a class a truck which is loaded with fifty thousand pounds or transit buses when you are able to you know help them avoid that stop or that aggressive brake, actually there's a lot of airborne emissions that are being saved in that aspect and one of the other things i also wanted to point out was uh when people think about automation, right? I mean, automation is still coming up, but from a connectivity standpoint, the the technology is pretty ready and there are all sorts of these kinds of benefits that can be had before the fleet gets fully electrified or fully gets uh, automated, right? And that that's where we think that this is technology that is gonna be- make uh, internal combustion engines more relevant. it is also going to make uh hybrids more relevant and as the fleet you know slowly electrifies and gets automated, now there we could be saving leapfrog amounts on emissions and fuel economy and not just incremental emissions but let's fine tune that transmission a little bit and save one percent right it's not that it's like take twenty percent can we do that and I think that's what excites us more about this area. And yes, I can yeah. say
2: that you know, the tests that we've done, John, uh, with the um, with ice vehicles driving with GloSA or with TLI. That we do see that 14 to 15 percent emissions reduction possibility coming from these features, as well as add-on features. That, for instance, can uh, if you introduce start-stop functions and tie those start-stop functions to the timing of the traffic light, so that the engine kicks back up just a few seconds before the light turns green, that is 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 pretty amazing. And so that certainly becomes an, a, a key area in which. Um, uh, the emissions become important. I think the traffic congestion component of that is also something we need to look at. Uh, the, the smoother you can keep traffic moving, uh, it, the, the the less you have in terms of emissions loss.
1: Pom, what are your customers telling you about getting all the green lights? I mean, I think this is something that the public is going to go crazy over. I'm just curious, what, what are real live example feedback? Uh, what are you getting?
2: I would say at least once a month, if not more, I get feedback from a customer that is asking when their city will have traffic light information installed. As you can see, you know, there's there's a, a part of the work is done by Audi, but there's a fair amount of work that has to be done by the cities as well to make sure that their cities, their systems are able to communicate to us. Uh, uh, it's not a whole lot of work, but you know, th- those systems are closed and they have to be opened up to provide a reliable feed. Um, so it's a rollout process. and. Uh, and just the sheer excitement, uh, I, I have customers telling me that the one of the biggest reasons that they wanted to subscribe to Audi Connect is for, uh, for the traffic light information service. Uh, and so that gives us a lot of confidence that you know there is certainly a pull for this. Right now, this is a comfort and convenience service. As we move into the more safety realm, uh, we will probably step away from, uh, from needing a subscription for those types of benefits to accrue. We do this today for things like emergency call and other services where Audi offers them included. As part of a connected car, uh, we think that model will pursue, will will move forward, while the subscription can actually help fund some of these uh, some of these uh, future enhancements that we're working for. I would like to point out that you know the domain is actually larger. Uh, toll modules, for instance, today are communicating over RFID. Uh, we've introduced uh, a, a mirror in every car that we sell now, uh, that includes that technology built into the rear view mirror. And so you really have a clean windshield, you have no uh, effort at all in terms of communication. And of course uh, it's nationwide available uh, around the country with no changes in, in, in standards needed. So that's another convenience that we've added. The important point about this is as we build these new ways of communication, not only are we hitting the immediate application like the tolling service, Uh, these services are also going to start becoming identification and authentication mechanisms for in-car payments, for instance. You know, one of the uh, legacies of the the COVID experience is probably going to be that everybody's going to be preferring contactless wherever possible. And uh, if you can make payments at a gas station or through a drive-through through through a contactless mechanism, well, the technology is already in the car. And uh, and there there's already efforts going on at various businesses to build these readers so that as the vehicle pulls in, it's already identified. You you can simply fill up and leave or buy your, uh, 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 you know, pick up your groceries if you want or from a drive through or or, or whatever. So it's it's pretty exciting in terms of, you know, where this whole thing is going.
1: Yeah. uh, Look, we're going to have to wrap this conversation up, but I find this very exciting, very interesting, you know, for like. $15 on top of what's already in the car to be able to get these kinds of benefits is amazing for an industry that spends billions of trying to reduce emissions and improve safety other ways. But I wanna thank all three of you for coming on today. Sam, Pom, Shankar, thanks so much for your time. Great to be here, John.
0: Autoline This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.